Okay, so the theme is uh, Hungry Thirsty and I don't know, don't know about you but I'm finding it a little bit hard to concentrate on this theme of being Hungry Thirsty <laughs> after that lunch. I feel that was a very filling big burger and yummy big dessert. Are you all feeling full? Excellent. So you just have to imagine that you are really hungry. We should have done this talk before lunch, shouldn't we? And then I could have just gone on and on and on and left you... Um, just wait for lunch for a long, long time and you would have got more hungry and you would have really got into this. So now you have to pretend that it's before lunch and you are starving. Got it? Yes. Now, this, uh, this morning I explained, for those who, who may have arrived since this morning, that we have got the kids in with us today. We've got all age groups together so we are running things a little bit differently. So this morning I started with a game and if that's okay, I'd like to start with another one. Is that okay? <laughs> uh, that, was, that was quite good. Um, three people. I volunteer, I volunteer, I won't be volunteering. <laughs> uh, this morning I played a food game because the theme is Hungry uh, Thirsty and um, w- one of the old favourite games, which you will, yeah, I thought another food game, is the Wheat Bix Whistle Challenge. You know the one? And I thought the idea is we won't, won't eat a whole wheat bix, but I'll, I'll break it into three, I think, and have three contestants. So it'll only be a third of a wheat bix if I can break it evenly. Um, so we want one. It would be good actually if we had one from each generation, sort of one of the kids, one of the young adults or teenagers, and one of the adults. Not. Um, so, do you want to come up, represent the kids? All right. There we go. Okay, so you're representing the adults, right? I am. Or the young adults? That's a bit of a oh, young adult. Okay, the young adults. How old are you? Uh, Twelve. Twelve. Okay, you hold that bit. And... What do you have to do in there? Was that a hand I saw at the back there? Are you just... Are you just stretching? Would you like to come and try it? Let's go. Alright. So... <laughs> Now, the idea is that when I say go, and I've got something else for you to eat after this, by the way, so don't go away after we've finished, because um, I want you to compare the taste of what I'm going to give you after this to this one, all right? And that's going to be our point that leads us into the next thing. So the, the way this game works is that you chew up the um, wee bits till you can swallow it. When you think you're ready to whistle, and sorry for those in the front row, you've got to try... <laughs> When you think you're ready to whistle, you just kind of indicate like that, and I will grab the microphone wherever it's gone. Okay. And I will um, hold it in front and see if you can whistle into the mic. Okay. You are allowed to cheer for a contestant. We have here James and Josh. And okay, you can cheer. Yes. Ready. Set. Go! Some good cheering action. Looking rather competitive here. When you think you're ready. I'm glad I didn't give him a whole wee bit.
Are we ready? Okay. Oh, give him a clap. Good effort. All right, now don't go anywhere yet. Okay, I'll just put that down. Now, I have something else for you, and I want you just to take... That's terrible! Um, which colour would you like? Actually, you, you won. Choose a colour. Uh, I better have the strawberry one. Strawberry? Yeah. Choose a colour. <laughs> now, just uh, open that packet for me and just take a little nibble. How much? Yeah. A nibble. Just a little nibble. <laughs> All right. You don't have to... Oh, who was that? Okay. Oh, jeez. Oh, nice work. Um... Now, just tell me, which tasted better, the Freddo or the Wheat Bix? The Wheat <laughs> oh, I can swallow this. <laughs> <laughs> you, chocolate, you, chocolate. Chocolate? Yeah. Chocolate? Yeah. The Wheat Bix. Okay, cool. All right. Now, what I want you to imagine is, who likes chocolate? Who would eat chocolate if they could every day? Who would eat chocolate if they could for every meal? <laughs> who would eat chocolate if they could for every part of every meal? And there's still a few hands. Well, we're going to have a story about that. Okay, give a clap to our three contestants. Thank you. You can keep that, yeah. So, the story takes place, as you can see, in a desert spot and on the screen if I'm not standing in the way I'm going to try and stand where to the side but actually, uh, if I can get a little button you can see there are a lot of tents now we're going to start way back in the Old Testament to that time where they're travelling through the desert because if, if we were doing this before lunch as, which would have been good you would be able to get that feeling of getting hungry you're travelling through who's been camping? Okay, normally you take a good amount of food as you're camping, but just imagine in this occasion you're camping and you're running out of food and you're starting to worry and there's a lot of people. You're getting really, really hungry and thirsty. I used to love the, uh, the cartoons when I was a kid. There used to be the Daffy Duck one where he's going through the desert and he used to go crazy for wanting water and he'd come up with a mirage and there was no water there and he'd be eating sand. Um, but anyway, so here's the picture. Now, you'll see, appearing on the ground, as it did each morning, God provided some food. And uh, you can see a bit more there on the ground here and you know it was called manna. manna. So, it tasted good. So, here's a lady. She collects some. She eats some. She smiles. It was yum. But just imagine having the same thing for every meal. Now, actually, I just went for a week once to Indonesia and I remember we had rice for breakfast and rice for lunch and we had rice for tea. And I actually got to a KFC and I was keen to eat the KFC, which is unusual for me because... Are you kidding? Yes. I got to KFC and went, please. And you can actually order rice at KFC as well there. But a bizarre thing. But now I was getting a little sick of rice and I love rice. And I asked these three here about the chocolate and I asked you out there if you could eat chocolate for every meal and many of you said yes. Well, this stuff was nice. God provided it each morning except for the one and they ate it. But soon you know the story. 
that yuck, manna again, not this stuff again. We should have stayed in Egypt. They were complaining, they were whinging, I hate this stuff. Oh, the first time I had it was okay, but why do we have to have it every meal? And manna burgers. So they go to Moses and say, their grumbling against God is aimed at Moses here and they say, we want water. We should have stayed in Egypt. They complain against God. Now, as you know the, the history of this, God had done some amazing things. He'd got them out of slavery. He'd provided for them. He'd done all this stuff. He'd rescued them. He'd guided them and he'd provided for them and after all this, they just complain. And you know what? God decided to teach them a lesson at this point. So, that night, you can see, crawling in towards the tents, are some... Well, they look like big worms. They are (laughs) snakes. Now, these people were really in trouble. Now, if you get scared by snakes, little warning on this next part. In this tent comes a big snake. And this guy, as you can see, is in a lot of trouble. Ready? Uh Uh-oh. But he's not in as much trouble as this guy. (laughs) Well, uh, they realised that uh, after this happens that they probably shouldn't have complained against God, particularly after all that God had done for them for so much. And they go to Moses and and they say, can you pass on to God that that we're sorry, that, that we shouldn't have complained against God? And Moses, of course, decides to talk to God and pass that on and he does. The Lord, the people are sorry and God gives a really strange instruction. Make a snake out of metal, brass and put it on a pole. Tell the people to look to the pole and they will live. And that's what he does. And those who obey God and trust God and they look to this, they are fine. But those who don't are really in trouble. And you know, that we find out from Jesus later on, was put there to point to Jesus. As Jesus himself said, just like the snake was lifted up on the pole, so the Son of Man will be lifted up. But you know, that's not the only thing that points to Jesus in this story. The cross is certainly an example. Just like the snake was up there, Jesus lifted up on the cross and you look to Jesus, put your trust in him and you'll be saved. Just like those people were saved from the snakes, we can be saved from sin. Saved from our disobedience of God, from our rejection and rebellion against God because of Jesus. But what else in that story was pointing to Jesus? It wasn't just the pole. There was something else. What do you think? Not the tip of the tent. The manna. Yes. Now we're going to skip ahead. And we're going to go to the next story. We're going to skip a long way ahead. And for this part of the story, actually we'll start it with some sad news. When um, Jesus and the disciples hear the sad news of John the Baptist's execution. John, Jesus' cousin, was killed for standing up and telling the king about what the king shouldn't be doing. And he was put in jail and eventually he was killed. And they were sad. They just wanted to be on their own. And after helping people all day, teaching people, healing people, they were worn out from from that. They just wanted to be on their own. And they got in the boat to get away from the crowds, 
to spend some time. They were probably hungry, they were probably thirsty, they were probably tired. They get in the boat and someone sees the boat going across the lake and goes, oh, I think they're going across the other side of the lake. And they start, could you do, do some acting for me? All you need to do is run. Can you run? No, run. All right, stand here. Okay, now run over there. Good, stop right there. And someone sees one person running around the other side of the lake because that's where the boat was heading and they decide to follow. So I need someone to follow. Okay, go, run. So run. And another person sees, hey, they're going around the other side where Jesus and the disciples are going. So they decide to follow. You run the cross country today. Can you run that far? Actually, we'll time you. And you can come back now. Good job. So, what happens is that soon there is a massive crowd of people. So, when they arrive at the other side of the lake, you can see there is huge... The people that they've been helping and healing and teaching all day, there's, there's this massive crowd on the other side. And I reckon the disciples would have been like, didn't we just leave you on the other side of the lake? Can't you people leave us alone? Go to bed, go home, get some food. They were hungry. But Jesus had compassion and he started to teach again. And again, they were helping. Do you know, the times when you're really tired and really hungry and you just want to be on your own, because they were sad, probably thinking about John the Baptist, probably remembering him, it's really hard to think of others when you want to just be on your own in those moments. But Jesus did. And then we get the dark coming on and there's the conversation. Let's send these people away so they can get something to eat because they're hungry. They've been with us all this time. And Jesus says, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. And at this point, the disciples say, that is impossible. There is a mission impossible. There are thousands of people here. And you, actually, you know this, um, you probably heard they only count the men. You know, a lot of speakers have mentioned that in recent times that 5,000 probably meant 5,000 families because they only count the men. But then I heard someone else say, well, there couldn't have been women there because the women would have been organised enough to bring food. Yeah. <laughs> Good point, really. Anyway, there was at least 5,000 of them. And um, <laughs> the mission impossible, you give them something to eat and it's pointed out that that would take eight months' wages. That's a lot of money to feed them one meal Mission impossible. We look at the world and the needs today and we think it's impossible. How can we meet these needs? We look at the, the statistics of how many children are growing up in families that are dysfunctional and the emotional damage that they, they're going on. And a recent survey that said that the, the growth in that emotional damage from dysfunctional families will grow exponentially in our country the way it's going. And we think this is impossible. How can we deal with this? But they start with one boy's willingness to share. And that was the starting point. And his willingness, plus God's power, Jesus' power, mission impossible became mission possible. With our willingness and God's power, there is a partnership that starts to transform the world. And mission impossible becomes mission possible. So they start with one lunch. Jesus tells them to sit down and um, give thanks for the bread and the fish and 
they start distributing it and it's like that ad with the Tim Tams that was on a few years ago where they pull one Tim Tam out and the packet just refills magically. Did you see that ad? Yeah, no, you didn't see that ad, just a packet and you just eat one. And, and so each time they're eating the bread and fish and they pass it on, it's just not getting smaller. And you know the, the whole crowd is fed. They're all full like we are feeling now after that fabulous lunch and there are leftovers. There is enough leftovers um, and they're collected so nothing is wasted, that's right. And the leftovers, wow, there's heaps of leftovers. And um, finally when all that's done, Jesus then gets the time to be on his own and he sends the disciples off on the boat ahead of him so he goes to the top of the hill to spend some time with God. He probably was wanting that alone time for a while and sometimes we have to postpone that time to be on your own. But he really, actually what Jesus needed was the real food. He needed to be on his own to have time with God. Now, that, as I said, is part of the lesson that we're looking towards on that manner pointing to Jesus. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. In fact, Moses actually talks to them about that bit, about God giving the manna from heaven and about him being the bread of life. So the pole points to Jesus, the bread points to Jesus, Jesus is the bread of life. Now what I'd like to do is to get into some groups and give you some questions on a short Bible passage of a few verses. This is just to keep you awake after lunch, if that's okay. But what I would like to do in the groups, just little groups around, I've got a few Bibles that if, if you don't have some, is I'll give you a few verses, here it is here, ten verses and six questions. And I'd like to spread the age group so if we have at least one kid in each group and see if you can report back some answers to these questions from this passage. So we could just make little groups around. I'll call you back in in about ten minutes to sit back as we are, but we need the kids, you need to pick a group. Question number one, and we'll go to um, this group over here. What did what you guys think for question number one? So I need a nice loud voice. They wanted food. What were the people wanting? They actually wanted real food. Okay, let's go to question two, right over there. Yep. Okay. Could you just say that again for me? They wanted to wanted to gain something for themselves for free. Okay, let's go to question three. What can we learn about this in a way, or any of these stories about the way we approach God? Let's go to this one over here. We've got a big picture. Yeah, okay, let's go to the next group on the same question. Um, we understood that the people were looking for sign after sign after sign. Yep. We don't need to look for sign after sign after sign. We don't need to look for sign after sign. Okay, let's go to the same question, this group over here. What can we learn about the way we approach God? Yeah. Yep, good one. Did you, everyone hear that? Okay, let's go 
This group, same question. Uh, same answer, really. Okay, good. <laughs> Yeah, often in the prayer requests we have, it's just the, the physical things we see immediately rather than the eternal big picture. Okay, let's go to the next question. What did Jesus want them to do, this group? He wanted them to believe. Indeed. And last question to the last group. Did I miss a group, by the way? Did everyone get a chance at one answer? Oh, were you going to say something on this? Did I miss a question? Number four. Ah, why didn't the people understand what Jesus was saying? Would you like to answer that? Uh, lack of faith, and they were thinking about their stomachs and not genuine about wanting to learn about him. Lack of faith, thinking about their stomachs and not genuinely wanting to learn about him. him. Okay. And so the last question, what did Jesus mean? <laughs> Who would like to answer that? Every group, I haven't missed a group, have I? Every group thrown in one answer. Who would like to answer the last question? What did Jesus mean? (laughs) Any group? Okay. Great. He's the one who satisfies. Good answer. Do you know what happened just then was an amazing example of a biblical community. All generations around the scriptures together, talking about it, explaining to one another. That was good, good effort. Well done, guys. So, next, actually, I have a challenge for the kids because um, I've got my bits of paper and pencils over there. If any of the kids would like to, I'd like to see a drawing about some of those stories we've looked at, either the manor in the desert story, the feeding the 5,000 story, or the the discussion of the after the feeding of the 5,000 story. Anything from one of those stories, if kids you'd like to, on the roll of paper over there. If adults, if you could come back in and face this direction just for a minute. Sorry to make you work so hard in reshuffling around the room. Now, now that we've, um, we've looked at taking the progression from this morning, we've looked at eating the wrong foods and how often we fill our lives up with the wrong things and then we've looked at some people who just kept focusing on the physical food uh, and just didn't quite get what Jesus was talking about and Jesus himself saying, he is the bread of life. Now we've sort of taken through that progression And we've seen how often people get their approach to God wrong. In the manner, in the desert stories, they were just often just selfishly complaining. Uh, It's just all about me and my comfort. And it's all the focus is kind of on me. So we often see that approach to God is easy to get wrong. But the approach to God that we want to have is we want to be really hungry for him. So there's my next question and uh, with the puppy dog with the bowl in his mouth there ready for his dinner, uh, my question is how hungry are we for God? Not very. Hmm.
in this in this society we are so distracted by everything else yep. that uh, we don't need God because we've got Apple, we've got PCs, we've got we've got everything that works, talks and mm, good. And we've got a welfare, a government, uh, a democracy, a a stable government and a society that is tolerant. Intolerant of Christians, but tolerant of everything else, hmm. and has a welfare net. So no one should ever starve in Australia. Yes. True. True indeed. Now, about being hungry for God, distractions are definitely a problem. So I just wanted to give us a couple of verses, and then I wanted to, to give us a couple of stories to think this through. This uh, is a song that you sometimes I sing. Uh, do you like the song about the deer panting? And again, I get that picture of the, um, which I know some of you haven't seen, the daffy duck going through the desert scene, just desperate for water. And you know, the, the deer is just running and running and running and it's just really keen to get a drink and it's just thirsty. And you might think about the time that you've been really, really thirsty or a time that you've been really, really hungry. Maybe you've done the 40-hour famine. Uh, maybe you've done some fasting yourself and you're just really, really hungry. And the only thing you can think about is just getting that meal or getting that drink and picture our deer desperate for his drink and the writer of the Psalms at this point says, just like a deer who's desperate for a drink, that's how I am with you, God. I am, truly I am thirsty for you, my God. Here's another verse along the same line. In my heart, I am thirsty for you, the living God. When will I see your face? Just that real thirst. Do you know, I find it um, challenging when I see people who have a real thirst for God and they just always in the scriptures just have that hunger because it's easy to just kind of miss that, isn't it? Just be busy in life and, oh, I didn't get around to reading my Bible this time or I didn't get around to praying or maybe I just popped up a quick prayer while I was driving to, to work. Or, and then when you see someone else who's just really hungry and thirsty, you, you get inspired, sometimes challenged, sometimes you feel a little bit guilty, don't you? I'm, I think that we're given examples like that in Scripture to look up to and to aspire towards. You know that one in Hebrews the famous chapter of the heroes of the faith. We get all this list of heroes of the faith because we're going to look at these heroes and kind of go, yeah, I could, I can kind of, that inspires me. One that really inspires me, one story. I brought the book. I want to read you just a couple of pages if that's okay. Even if you've read the book, I've, I've read it before and just reading it again, it just challenged me again. For a guy, who's read this book? Heavenly Man. Okay, for those who aren't, um, this guy was very, very hungry for the Bible. Now you know that he's, he's, um, he became a Christian in a time in China when there were just no Bibles around. So he talks about his mother became a Christian through some missionaries and then when communism hit, uh, which was, what was it, what year? 49? 49? In 49, uh, there's amazing persecution of Christians uh, missionaries sent home or killed. He talks about the torture. He talks about 
pastors being t- tied up, uh, taking to great heights and just dropped, or, or tied behind vehicles and dragged to their to their dead, and, and just this, or, or just um, nailed up on the church walls. Just this unbelievable um, persecution, and with with all of the Christian influence gone, and no church and no church leaders, and those. Um, who were leading churches, if they're still alive, hiding, his mother, without any input from the scriptures or any Christian fellowship, she falls, she falls away from her faith. And then he describes his dad getting cancer and they lose all their family money on it, paying for medicine and they're completely broke. His dad can barely breathe. He's almost dead from cancer is that bad and his mum hears a voice one night, Jesus loves you and it triggers the memory of what the missionaries had told her and earlier when she'd committed her life, she just calls the family together and says, we need to pray for your father and we need to pray to Jesus. They pray all night to Jesus and in the morning, for the first time in a few months, their father wants to eat and within a week, he was up and walking, completely normal with no cancer. And at that point, he gave his life to Christ. But the thing is, no one had a Bible. In fact, he asked his mum, you know, he said, we're following this Jesus because we prayed to, and he healed Dad, but we don't know anything about him. Does he have any written, recorded words? And the mum basically said, no, there's none left because they hadn't seen a Bible. And he hungers for the Bible. And I just thought I'd read you just a little bit of the story, if that's okay, on his hunger for getting scriptures and his family actually think he's, he's going nuts um, but after the, the, um, the dad is healed they call their friends, the whole village to their house they don't tell them why because it's illegal to hold public meetings but they call everyone in um, and when they get there, they actually everyone thinks it's a funeral because they expect that the father has died so they all come dressed for the funeral and they open the door and that's him greeting them saying, come on in, as happy and healthy as, as anything. And they, of course, ex- share their faith and then we have this bit where um, the mum says, see if I can find it here, um, oh, when he asked about the, the teachings of Jesus, I asked if there were any words of Jesus left that I could read for myself. She replied, no, all these words are gone. There is nothing left of his teaching. This was during the Cultural Revolution when Bibles could not be found. From that day on, I earnestly wanted to have a copy of my own Bible. I asked my mother and fellow Christians what a Bible looked like, but no one knew. One person had seen some hand-copied scriptures, portions and song sheets, but never a whole Bible. Only a few old believers could recall seeing Bibles many years before. The word of God was scarce in the land. I was so hungry for a Bible. Seeing my desperation, my mum remembered an old man who lived in another village. The man had been a pastor before the Cultural Revolution. Together, we started out on the long walk to his home. When we found him, we told him our desire. We longed to see a Bible. Do you have one? He immediately looked fearful. This man had already spent nearly 20 years in prison for his faith. He looked at me and saw I was young and poor and tattered clothes and bare feet. He felt compassion but still didn't want to show me his Bible. I don't blame him because in those days there were very few Bibles in the whole of China. No one was allowed to read any book other than Mayo's little red book. If caught with a Bible, it would be burned, 
the owner's whole family would be severely beaten in the middle of the village. The old pastor simply told me, the Bible is a heavenly book. If you want one, you need to pray to the God of heaven. Only he can provide you a heavenly book. God is faithful. He always answers those who seek him with all of their heart. I fully trusted the pastor's words. When I returned home, I went to my room, knelt down every evening for prayer. I had just one simple prayer. Lord, please give me a Bible. I'm going to read a little bit more, but do, do you already get inspired about getting into the Bible? Do you already think, oh, maybe I'm not that good at my Bible reading? I'm not, I'm not doing this to, to make us feel guilty because I don't think that helps, the guilt thing. But I think when you look at the heroes of the faith, it should be an inspiring thing. Does this hunger inspire you? Does it inspire hunger? It inspires hunger in me. Nothing happened. A Bible didn't appear. I went back to the pastor's house again. This time I went alone. I told him, I've prayed to God according to your instructions, but I still haven't received a Bible. I, so, I want so much. Please, please show me your Bible. Just a glance and I will be satisfied. I don't need to touch it. You hold it. I'll be content just to look at it. I could copy down some words and I'll return home happy. The pastor saw the anxiety of my heart. He spoke to me again. If you're serious, then you should not only kneel down and pray to the Lord, you should also fast and weep. The more you weep, the sooner you'll get a Bible. (laughs) I went home every morning and afternoon. I ate and drank nothing. Every evening I ate just one small bowl of steamed rice. I cried like a hungry child to this heavenly father, wanting to be filled with his word. For the next 100 days I prayed for a Bible. Until I could bear it no more, my parents were sure I was losing my mind. Then suddenly, one morning at 4am, after months of begging God to answer my prayers, I received a vision from the Lord. In the vision he describes two men uh, giving a little bag and he opens it up and there's bread inside and when he eats the bread it turns into a Bible. He gets up, finds that there's no Bible of course and the vision is so clear he's upset and he's crying and his family come out and they're consoling him and, they think, and they're praying for him, thinking he's lost his mind and then there's a knock at the door. Suddenly I heard a faint knock at the door. A very gentle voice called my name. I rushed over and asked through the locked doors, are you bringing, me, are you bringing the bread to me? The gentle voice replied, yes, we have a bread feast to give you. I immediately recognised the voice as the same one I heard in the vision. I quickly opened the door and there standing before me was the same two servants I had seen in the vision. One man held a red bag in his hand. My heart raced as I opened the bag and held in my hands my very own Bible. The two men departed into the still darkness quickly. I clutched the new Bible to my heart and fell down to my knees outside the door. It's an amazing story. He goes on and his first sermon when he preaches is that he memorised the whole book of Matthew and just delivered the whole book of Matthew for his first sermon. Gee, that's a hunger, isn't it? How hungry are we? We get lots of examples in the scriptures. Paul, of course, is an example for us to look up to as someone who's just so, so hungry. Nothing is as wonderful as knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. I have given up everything else. I count it all as garbage. Everything else is garbage. I just want to know... I just want to know Christ. I'm hungry. So I believe in advanced decision making. 
You know, rather than you just see how you feel, you decide in advance. You know, you, you do that with church. You don't wake up in the morning and just go, oh, don't feel that good, I think I'll miss church. Um, you just generally decide already, I'm going to church, right? And I think it's the same with our time with God. The hunger starts with the desire. The desire starts with the decision. And I think in advance we decide that we just want to really spend time with God and just say, I'm going to do it. Plan it out. Maybe get an accountability partner. But first, decide that I really want to spend time with God. When we looked at Jesus before, talked about his food is his work and he talked about the work that those people needed to do was actually to believe in him. But he also, he does this on a few occasions. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know anything about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. So we need to be hungry for that. We need to be hungry to spend time with God. We need to be hungry to do God's work. We need to be looking to the example of those who also inspire us in this. And we need to be an example of that for the other generations. Which is one of the reasons why I suggested doing this camp with all generations together. Because there's a lot of responsibility on this generation to show this generation a real hunger for God. Someone I heard recently uh, a quote, um, what was it? Um, we want children to grow up at the foot of the culture we want them to adopt. Meaning that the whole thing's caught, not taught. And if we want them to grow a hunger and a desire for God, then we need to show that to them as the generations ahead. So, I think we should touch base with the kids and see if they've drawn some pictures of the earlier stories. Don't you think? Have you guys drawn anything on the earlier stories? Did you give it a try? If you have, bring it over. Show us what you got. Alright, so we'll hold it up. Now, could you explain it to us? Well, is this a person being attacked by snakes? Excellent. I hope you don't have nightmares. Good. All right, what do we got here? Um, there's somebody happy and then, he's, then the snake. <laughs> the snake on his head. Oh, dear. Okay. And then they look at that and then they get better. Okay, so they look at the snake on the pole and there they're better. Good job. Very well done. Okay. What do we got here? I think the snake thing really had an impact. <laughs> yeah, good job. Ah, and here's the manna from heaven. Look at that. Good job. Well done. Oh, look at this. Nice picture. Okay, and that one? So, we've got how many fish? How many loaves? Well done. Good job. So, the moral of the story is not for parents to go, do not complain about your food or you'll be attacked by snakes. 
although it does seem that that's the message that's got through. <laughs> okay, so that's not the point we're making, I think. I think the point we're making is that we are looking to the bread of life for our satisfaction and we are just going to be desiring and, and choosing to desire him above everything else. Let's pray. Well, thanks for the fun that we've had this afternoon. Thanks um, for the interaction that we've had across the generations and the discussion around the scriptures. Lord, we look at that, that discussion of Jesus with those people who failed to believe and all they were just thinking about was their stomach and we think so often we approach you in the same way. We we're just thinking about the material things that we're worried about. We think about the people who just complained about not having enough and that they, they had their needs provided but not their wants. And so often we approach you in the same way too, Lord. And then we look at some of the heroes of the faith, like Paul, who just said everything else apart from knowing you is garbage. And brother, and the brother Young, who just so desired to have that Bible. And Lord, I pray that you put in us a real hunger and desire to know you. Put in us a, a desire and a hunger to get into your word, to spend time in prayer with you. Thanks, Lord. Amen.